Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show, and happy Thanksgiving to those of you who are here in the U.S., though I suppose any of you can be thankful, right? And I know Canadians, uh, you celebrated Thanksgiving not too long ago. And of course, if you're listening, uh, probably most of our radio listeners are listening on Thanksgiving weekend. So um, we're including you all. Hopefully you had a happy Thanksgiving day. Uh, First off, for our inbox later on, what if it is difficult for you to spend time around your siblings during the holidays because you don't agree with their life decisions and kind of how those are playing out? Well, one of our counselors, Angel Perez, is going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture segment, Michael Johnson is a friend of ours here, and he has a new book called Date Like You Know What You're Doing. That is pretty self-explanatory. So he is going to be here today for part one of a great discussion with him about the content of this book, what he has learned throughout his life, and just great practical principles to put into place if you are a dater or wannabe dater. So, okay, well, here we are for our roundtable. And because it is Thanksgiving, we thought we would just have a fun chat around the theme of favorite Thanksgiving traditions. So, Some people are very passionate about their Thanksgiving traditions. Some people hold on to them quite tightly. Uh, Some people don't maybe even have traditions or they're just like, whatever. So we're going to find out today from the group around the table uh, some of their traditions, and maybe we can even start some new ones. So welcome to Diane, Bree, and John. Hi. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey. Okay. So first of all, let's just put it out there. Are you into Thanksgiving? Where does it rank in your holidays throughout the year? Um, Is it one of your favorites or not? How do you feel about it? John, you can go ahead. It's probably top three for me. I really enjoy. What are are you putting against Arbor (laughs) Day or what? (laughs) What Probably against Christmas and what else? Oh, Labor Day weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Or Fourth of July, (laughs) depending on which year it is. But no, I love Thanksgiving because it's just a great time to be together with family. And growing up in the South, it was a full-on feast. I mean, you would literally look at the food and you could gain weight just because <laughs> the food was so much mm-hmm. there. And it was wonderful to be together with family. And I just, I, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's probably like a um, an identity crutch for Southerners. Like probably. if they don't find their identity in Christ, it's in their Thanksgiving meal and how well they put it together. So oh, yeah. how many there are just traps everywhere, people. Yeah, <laughs> I fried everything. Okay, well that's a good that's a good point. Bree, how about you? Uh, Thanksgiving is actually my favorite holiday. Nice, and it's primarily because the only focus is food and family, mm-hmm. and there's no pressure for gifts or any other part of it. It's literally just a focus on food and family. And, and I love that. Thankful. Yeah. Well, I guess okay. that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, adding it in. So there you go. Diane? I am always ready for a party. So to rank would be really hard because I think Monday is exciting. So Okay. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. But it's always around food. So I think and family, which is always amazing. And how many people I can drag in that don't have any place to go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's great. I do love Thanksgiving as well. In fact I would say it's my second favorite holiday after Easter, which is my favorite. And of course there's all kinds of reasons for that. Some of them spiritual 
<laughs> and um, not Jesus juking, like really spiritual, um, but then also spring and just so many other, you know, because spring is before summer. We all know that. Okay. Anyway, I love it. But Thanksgiving is great, too, probably for me, even over Christmas. I don't wow. know. That's very hard. I mean, maybe yeah. I'd have to put them in a tie. I don't know. Okay, well, let's talk about Thanksgiving. Anything leading up to Thanksgiving, or are we just talking about the day here? When you think of Thanksgiving, what is happening? What are the absolute must-haves for your day? Or even, you know, I mean, some people take extra time off and whatever. So just talk about what it looks like for you if you're going to have an ideal Thanksgiving. I now look at it as Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. <laughs> Before I joined in the professional world, it was honestly all about Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. The get together with family, smelling the food there. But now we get a couple days off at my current workplace for that entire weekend. So it's honestly a four-day weekend. Mm -hmm. So I view it pretty differently compared to when I was a kid for that very reason. So for me now, it's honestly just a time to relax, to make memories with friends, and just to enjoy that whole weekend. Oh, I do have to mention this because I am from the South. That is also college football rivalry weekend. Okay. So yeah. Saturday, man, I'm glued to the TV during yeah. that weekend. I felt like I was kind of um, inched into this because college as well, we had like a little bit of a break. And so it was a longer weekend. And mm -hmm. I always felt like that was so exciting. And then you had to come back and face finals. And that was depressing. But <laughs> at least I felt like Thanksgiving was like, oh, I get a break before all of that final push. Before so, the madness. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I know my my Thanksgiving traditions do not include any football um, for some reason. I mean, maybe my dad watched it when we were younger, but in the most recent years, it's just been like playing board games. It's a big element of Thanksgiving for us and cooking all morning and then eating in the afternoon and then eating leftovers, you know, three hours after that. And so <laughs> um, we don't really do any, at least I've never really done any Black Friday shopping. I do participate in Cyber Monday, but really it's just a, a relaxing weekend of just hanging out with family and eating and eating and eating. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, for, for me, because Thanksgiving falls really close to Serafina's birthday, and this year it's actually on her birthday. So mm -hmm. we celebrate her and the day. So it was like I ate my turkey dinner and then went to the hospital and had a little turkey of my own. And <laughs> so it's like a, a dual mm -hmm. uh, celebration. So we always have her birthday celebrated, and that's usually the dessert of some kind is um, her birthday cake. Yeah. So that always makes it a special day, too. That's very good. Yeah. That's really good. Kind of, um, Bree, to your point, I actually did not grow up either with football being watched. And even, you know, I know there are families that go out and do like football games, like play football themselves. Yeah, and stuff. Like friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. on the like show Friends. friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I, I totally know that that's true. I did that once with a group of friends over Thanksgiving and I broke two of my knuckles intercepting oh, a pass. Ouch. And I'm saying well, this because I don't even really like know football, but I got put on a team and then I was trying to be a team player and go for it and a guy's head ran oh, into my ouch. hand Ugh. and so there went um some repair so and therapy make, like, and a hand turkey <laughs> i know yeah exactly you couldn't so play was, the violin anymore <laughs> it was pretty bad yeah i i know i also for my tradition i usually do whether it's with friends and family or just by myself i do either some kind of a walk or a hike in the morning mm, yeah. i used to both do turkey trots, the 5Ks, and yeah. I would rollerblade every Thanksgiving wow. morning. Hello, mm -hmm. 1997 called, y'all. <laughs> um, but anyway, 
<laughs> I don't do that anymore because Colorado Springs is like too dangerous it's to be rollerblading on in. Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, that too. And you're either going downhill or uphill around mm-hmm. here. So it's like not even fun. So, but those are a couple traditions for me. I will say, and I mentioned this before on the show, the day after Thanksgiving is my breakfast of stuffing or dressing, mm-hmm. whatever you call mm-hmm. it, wherever you are. I literally will just eat. A bowl of that for my breakfast because it's my favorite food. That's funny that you mentioned that because now you're reminding me of another tradition that I have around Thanksgiving. And it's that the day after we would eat pumpkin pie for breakfast oh, yeah. oh, because so my dad's philosophy was, is that we really shouldn't eat it for dessert because then it just sits in our stomach all night. Mm. But if you eat it for breakfast, you can just burn it off throughout mm. the day. And I was like, that's a perfectly good reason for me to eat pumpkin pie every day yeah. after Thanksgiving. And it's a vegetable, so yeah, it's, it's totally... Yeah, it's a squash. You know, it's it's healthy. Breakfast of champions. <laughs> totally, totally legit. Okay, what about food? What's your must-have food that has to be on the table? Otherwise, it is not Thanksgiving. For being Italian, there has to be some kind of pasta. So, really? Oh, yeah. Whether it's lasagna or it's rigatoni or it's spaghetti, there has to be a pasta side. So uh, I'd rather eat that than, you know, sweet potatoes. But, of course, there are sweet potatoes, too. So it is, uh, it's quite the feast, but it's part of just the whole tradition of something Italian has to be out on the table. Okay, so now we have a logistical issue here, Mm -hmm. Diane. How do you eat that on Mm -hmm. your plate without Mm -hmm. getting that sauce all intermingled with other things? You know, that's part of the fun. Can you chase it around the plate? (laughs) And you have to strategically place it by something you don't mind slopping Mm -hmm. over, like the mashed potatoes. You know, mashed potatoes with a little sauce on it. Mm, That's pretty yummy. Or do you have to, like, get a sectioned plate? Uh, Oh, that's terrible. No, (laughs) no, no, no. (laughs) Or you just... (laughs) <laughs> or you just go back in layers, like you eat one thing and then go back oh, and get sure. the next thing. And yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. What else? I don't know. I get pretty offended if I don't have any of my favorites on my plate. Oh. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's not just one favorite thing. We definitely do have a sweet potato casserole. My family is also from the South. We're from Louisiana. And so we would always do dressing, not stuffing. Mm -hmm. We would do um, sweet potato casserole that has like pecans and marshmallows. So good. We made a fruit salad. We always do ham, not turkey, because ham rules all. I Hands down, (laughs) always ham. Um, And then I'm in charge of like making these really delicious rolls each year and pie, of course. That you eat the next day. I don't follow my dad's, oh, oh, okay. you know, right, I'm just, disobedient just in that way. I eat <laughs> it for dessert and for breakfast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but those those are the only ones I can remember right now. But I would be really sad if I didn't have any of those on my plate. Okay, that's good. Kind of like Brie, it's honestly more about what's not going to be on the plate <laughs> versus what actually is because you have so much mm-hmm. growing up in the Southeast. I think some of my honorable mentions – Favorites would have to be, though, um, pumpkin pie and pecan pie. Ooh, pecan pie with some coffee. Mm, Yes. So good. Those are hands down some of my favorite desserts. Other ones I would mention would be sometimes macaroni and cheese Mm -hmm. is a big one. Mm -hmm. Mashed potatoes, collard greens, and turkey and ham both. Oh, well, okay. Well, and in case you you weren't listening, John and I both said pecan correctly. Yeah, that is weird. The pecan. So who is it that says pecan? I don't. Is I that, have I, some relatives who say wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, John, do you eat pumpkin pie and pecan pie any other time of the year, or do you just wait for Thanksgiving? Pumpkin pie, yes. Okay. If somebody gives it to me, it's one of my go-to's. Okay. 
and pecan pie in the wintertime. Okay. It, it's kind of a, it, it's a good one to eat in the wintertime, but there's just something special about having both of them at Thanksgiving. Yeah. It really is. I went to a friend's house for Thanksgiving some years ago now, but not a long time, like let's say less than 10 years ago. And for the first time had macaroni and cheese at a Thanksgiving, so clearly Southern. I almost freaked out because I'm like, what is this nonsense about this macaroni and cheese? Because my experience growing up in California, macaroni and cheese is what kids made like when you came home from school and you had a box of craft and you yeah, just put it together. homemade. I know. And now I'm like, now this is like a Thanksgiving side. What are we even talking about here? So I was introduced to many new things, but never yet the collard greens. Um I don't even know what those are. I'm going to be honest. They're so good. They, really? They're especially good if they have bacon in them mm-hmm. and lots oh. of salt. Sure. Well, lots you can't go wrong with bacon and salt. So, <laughs> ever. Exactly. And a big blob yes. of lard yes. to yeah, get it all together. That's pretty good. It is uh, heaven on earth to that eat is, that stuff. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would say for me, obviously, the, the stuffing slosh dressing because I love it. Um, and it doesn't even have to be. I've had amazing homemade versions, but I'm not super picky on it. And I know some people are mm-hmm. like, it better be cornbread or better not. And I don't necessarily care either way on that. I would probably say the other version just because that's more traditional for me but but it's all good um the other thing my mom used to make which i'm going to be honest i don't make too often because i i'm not even sure it's that good but it's just so (laughs) traditional for us was this frozen cranberry salad that she would make in a nine by 13 pan freeze it and it's some weird midwestern amalgam of cream cheese and pineapple chunks and random cranberries and things in it and then you stir it all up so it's like a jello salad but frozen or something and opaque yeah i'm not that that, it was a very um frightening descriptor of it (laughs) it actually doesn't taste terrible but you just had it on a little plate next to your plate and so i just very much so uh, i couldn't touch your mashed potatoes yeah definitely like the spaghetti uh, can yeah (laughs) definitely could not go about uh making that so okay well let's talk about like actual thanksgiving oh my goodness i just had another thought about thanksgiving traditions my sister who used to teach preschool for years and years growing up would all make us like make um, little pilgrim hats and oh, whatever, and sometimes oh, we would fun. wear those. Yeah. Like some people what? would be the the Native Americans, and mm-hmm. some people would be the pilgrims, and we'd mm-hmm. have little like corresponding. And then we all came together and got along because that's what the original settlers yeah. did. Wow. You know, with that. Yes. <laughs> maybe I'll try that with my kids. This I'm not year. quite sure the yeah. uh, historic accuracy of that <laughs> account that we would do, but anyway, that is fun though. That was just a little tradition. And then we would often read something related to Thanksgiving or whatever. My dad was big into that. But let's talk about things this year because we're finishing out this year, y'all. Can you even believe 2023? No. Where did it go? Mm. I remember being at a conference in March, and I feel like that was about two and a half weeks ago. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't it know was, what's going wasn't on. It? I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but talking about things as you look back on this year specifically, what are you thankful for? I'm really thankful that in my career, I hit my five-year anniversary in my job and super grateful for that. There were a number of times early on in my career where I was kind of struggling to keep up with the pace a little bit, but my bosses were very patient with me and just um, gave me plenty of chances to keep working and keep getting better. But I'm very thankful that I got um, to my five-year anniversary earlier this year. And also very thankful that Boundless hit its 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Very, very thankful. Great. 
Uh, it sounds so silly because it's always so stereotypical, but I'm very thankful for my family <laughs> and I'm thankful for this job. It has been an incredible blessing to be able to work here with Boundless. And I'm also grateful that this year I get to do a little, something a little bit different for Thanksgiving. I get to have Thanksgiving with my in-laws, hmm. which I haven't been able to do for a couple of years. So I'm really excited for that. And I'm thankful that I get to spend time with them. That is cool. Well, your littlest you barely even had last Thanksgiving, I just know. infant, infant yeah. time. So this last is like year. his real first Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Although he was covered in mashed potatoes last oh, year, so yeah, <laughs> and will be for quite some time. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think the same thing with family and uh, just the the health. We know there was some health mm-hmm. issues, and the fact that everyone's healthy this year, and that we are still able to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's yeah. just amazing to me that we still have a country where it's a, a ho- it's actually a holiday that we're celebrating. It hasn't been stripped away, yeah. And it's still called Thanksgiving, where mm-hmm. so many other things have become holidays, not even holy days, but holidays. So mm-hmm. the fact that we call it Thanksgiving, I have a little bit of a pet peeve about the word friendgiving because you've pulled out the word thanks oh, and it's like friends giving what you know who cares but friends giving thanks <laughs> yeah yeah but it's not that you know they don't say that so it's important to not to strip down the holidays to something right. that becomes so generic mm-hmm. but that we still call it thanksgiving mm-hmm. yeah that's cool I think for me, I have, um, we're taping this a smidge before Thanksgiving. So I have an upcoming trip with my brother that I'm really looking forward to. And I haven't spent much time with him recently. And so um, he and my niece and a friend and I are going to go on vacation. And so I'm looking forward to that and just spending time kind of hanging with him and Mm. getting catching up as adults. Um, Though, let's be honest, he persecuted me all as a kid. So I'm going to there's going to be some wounds that are (laughs) uncovered, probably. (laughs) So Mm. we'll Mm. see how it plays out. You know, I mean, I have high hopes, but I'm not sure that this is uh, how it's going to go down. Yeah. And then also our our big milestones, I think, are really Mm -hmm. cool for me. And just doing I actually did a a couple really great Bible studies this year that I thought for me are really, in fact, I want to spend the last couple years of this year going back and reflecting on those and the things specifically that God taught me um, through those because, you know, it's just always neat to grow and and to learn something new. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah. Well, what would be your recommendation to folks listening who, one, either maybe they're like, I want to put some tradition into my Thanksgiving. How can I get started on this? And maybe I think a lot of people can be intimidated because they're like, I'm not a good cook. I don't know how to make rolls, Brie. I don't even know what you're talking about. Or maybe the collard green. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Or maybe they're just a little discouraged because maybe they can't go home to family this year or just something just feels blah about it. What would you guys say on those fronts? I would say that it's a really fun idea if you can find something that brings you joy and invite other people into it. Mm. So... My thought was like how John likes to climb 14ers. And I was like, what if he did that on Thanksgiving and like invited people along with him and like packed a picnic or something? I mean, I know that that sounds silly. Pecan pie. Yeah, that's right. Pecan pie on a 14er. Mm -hmm. But I just think like if you find something that brings you a lot of joy and you can ask somebody to come alongside of you in that in a friend's Thanksgiving kind of way. (laughs) um, I think that that could be a really fun tradition. And also I would encourage you. I guess, discourage you from 
thinking that Thanksgiving has to be specific foods. And the only reason I say that is because in the in previous years, I've been challenged with that because the family that I spend most of my Thanksgivings with, my nephew is allergic to like everything. And so we have had to change our Thanksgiving foods. And I realized that it's actually not about the food. It's about the people that you're with. And so um, yeah, you can make a pot roast. You can mm-hmm. make some ribs or you can go buy a pizza and mm-hmm. it can be Thanksgiving. Like it doesn't have to be something specific, but I think if you're coming to the table with people that you love, with a heart of thankfulness, I think that's the point of it all. Yeah. I think I would agree with that because I think sometimes you can't afford, you see how much a turkey costs or how much, and it's then the pressure is, oh, if it's not this, then it's not right. And what are we going to do? And there's no tradition and we have to have tradition. And it's like, hey, enchiladas are not that expensive to make. That's and right. it's like, get, you know, get some ragu in a jar. Or <laughs> I said that out loud. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and boil For your some Thanksgiving pasta. side, <laughs> yes, a la that's Italian. Right. That's yeah. it. And I think it's important that, it, again, it's... It's about the people that you have around, even if it's just you and one other person. But the fact that you take time to stop and actually say, thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us, Mm -hmm. that we can call this day uh, thankful because of you. And what else really is there? That's right. Yeah, such great points from both of y'all. Two things immediately come to mind. Um, Something that I love to do is to really go back and maybe learn more about the first Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and realize, hey, this holiday actually came from some pretty pretty rough circumstances. Mm -hmm. And to realize Mm -hmm. that these people who came over on the Mayflower, I mean, they paid a heavy, heavy price. Mm -hmm. And here we are years later, we're benefiting from their faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And it's really inspiring to me to go back and read that because it reminds me, hey, the decisions I'm making today are impacting future generations that I'm never even going to meet unless Jesus comes back soon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, hundreds of years down the road. And then I would also just encourage people, if you're long distance from your family, I've never gone back home for Thanksgiving, but I always try to make it a point to call my family. And I, I realize we've got many of listeners who maybe due to unfortunate circumstances, you're not able to be with your family or even talk to them at this time. But if you can, definitely, even if it's just a short phone call, just be willing to check in and say, hey, I'm I'm grateful for you and thankful mm-hmm. for the ways you've invested in my life. Yeah, that's cool. I was just thinking uh, just this past weekend, I was at a women's retreat for church where I was part of the group that put it together. And before we began, we were thinking like, in fact, one of the leaders asked me, she said, well, Lisa, you've done a lot of retreats, you know, help us make sure that we're not forgetting anything. And I said, really, the only thing I think we have to remember, because we had the speakers and everything else was in place, is just to make sure that we're looking around and seeing people and making sure that everyone's invited, everyone included. No one's sitting alone. No one is like, why did I even come on this retreat? Because we want to get to know new people and enfold people and make them feel part of the family. And so I know for me, kind of like John, many years, I'm kind of the one I'm not often with my family over Thanksgiving. And so it's fun just to see those people who are like, you know, hey, does everyone have plans? Or, you know, sometimes I've been that person and I'll just go up to someone at church and be like, hey, you know, does anyone want to put something together for Thanksgiving? I've had just precious couples at church invite me over for Thanksgiving and, you know, kind of round up all the people who don't have somewhere to go. And that's just so, it's just so affirming and welcoming. And so if you can be that person this year, I would highly 
recommend that. And so that's just kind of a fun thing to do. Um, I do have to say, because Bree mentioned it about 14ers, a shout out to Tom from Maryland, because he actually wrote to John basically <laughs> saying that he's going to so. get a flight out here and do a 14er with him. So... Tom, you gotta. We're heading into snow here, so I don't know what what's going to happen, but we gotta make this happen, and you and John have to chronicle it, I guess, at some point. So, well, you guys, thank you so much for weighing in on this. I'm, oh, it's going to be such a great week. So, in fact, those of you listening, you might even be celebrating right now. Like I said, we're just uh, recording this a little bit early, but happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right, folks. Well, we have got a two-part culture coming your way beginning this week and, of course, continuing next week with a friend who has reminded me that the last time we had him on the show was episode 99, which I had... I made the top 100. <laughs> he did, which I had to think and realize that that was probably around 2010 sometime. So it's not for lack of loving what he does. Um, in fact, he consistently prays for Boundless, which is super encouraging to us. But um, I am talking about our friend Michael Johnson. So Michael, welcome to The Boundless Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And by, you know, welcome back is what I mean. Um, He is a founder of Future Marriage University with his fantastic wife, Julie. He's a writer. He's a speaker. He is really in this space um, with y'all because helping folks, uh, including young adults, probably primarily all of y'all, move towards marriage really with with good intention and good purpose and biblical principles. And so um, in doing all of that, he is a great friend of us. And I actually had the opportunity, we're going to talk today about his book titled Date Like You Know What You're Doing. Uh, It's a date prep guide. And uh, I actually had the privilege of endorsing this book. And so I was telling him beforehand that I actually read the gap. So I've got like a whole stack of papers sitting here, um, but tons of highlights and all of that. And I do want to say, Michael, I appreciate because I just had a conversation with my friend, our friend, Gary Thomas, the other day. Thank you for putting my endorsement above his on the back of the book, because that I'm going to use that. That is going to be necessary for me in future conversations with him. So, I mean, it's not like he's written any books. I mean, only about 90 or something. So it's all good. So yeah. we, we love and him. He did happen to write like my favorite, at least top three favorite books on marriage. Uh, yeah. Sacred Marriage is wow. Every yeah. young adult should read that well ahead of of serious 
dating. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, speaking <laughs> speaking of dating, we've got to start this conversation. And again, you guys, this uh, we're going to give you more info about the book at the end, uh, including how you can get the book. But I, I need you to start out, MJ, with kind of you start even in your introduction, and you've said this to me before. You were a pretty good, you said you didn't date in high school, but then in college, you really upped your game and you were doing some whack stuff that I don't want the, it to sound prescriptive for men because they're going to be very overwhelmed. And But how did you get this kind of game? Because it was kind of amazing. Well, actually, it was three words that in uh, it, my, my freshman year at Baylor, after after going out, not being able to get a single date in high school, <laughs> except a friend to go with me to prom. Uh, I wound up going to over 30 different girls my mm. freshman year at Baylor. Um, and that's because of the favorable gender ratio. That's really <laughs> it. That is That was what, which ironically uh, exists in most uh, churches today. So men, um, more than likely, you're way more than outnumbered. Uh, but yeah, I, we do not recommend that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not the goal. Well, your reputation must have spread, though, because here, I mean, you you actually self-describe as a fun date, but you're talking here about there were convertibles involved. Um, there yeah. were, I love that you even had a car phone. I mean, a private plane flight? What in the world? Like, this well, is now, outrageous. Okay, the, now, the private plane flight, that was, that was the other way around. I had a friend of mine, great friend, Christy, which I know... This is for those that like, oh, I don't want to be set up. Oh, I don't want to be set up. Well, maybe you do. Um, and and <laughs> okay. really, you want to be set up by people that that know you well and and love you best. Yeah. And that was my friend Christy, and she sent me up with this uh, girlfriend of hers, and um, we were going to double date with that girl's friend and her boyfriend, which generally is frowned upon in most cultures to go out on a first date on a double date with a couple that's actually already seriously dating. That's usually a prescription for awkward, but they were really cool, especially when the guy showed up in his um, Jaguar yeah. and yeah. takes us to where in Waco there isn't anything except the airport. And then he pulls up to the airport and keep in mind, this is pre nine 11 and we just walk right onto the tarmac and he gets into this plane and so does his girlfriend and me and my date. And he flies us to Austin, Texas for dinner and then back for our sorority dance that we were going to. Turns out he was the driver and pilot for a lawyer in town. And the lawyer said, hey, take your girlfriend out in the town. Of course, yeah, that, I would like to take credit for the private plane, but that yeah. was that was really not me. Well, that's that's pretty cool. Okay, what I do like is this is coming from the intro of your book, and you actually talk, you kind of don't pull any punches, and you just lay it out from the get-go, which is so great. In fact, you have a subhead, the purpose of this book, <laughs> which I love. Um, and you state what you call the ultimate goal, and you say, how about this ultimate goal, a life-giving, lifelong marriage that blesses the world as much as it blesses the two of you? If that's a mission you can accept and get excited about, then you want to keep reading. And so you kind of set up the premise for what you're going to go after here as far as giving young adults the tools to make right decisions, to become the right person, to understand what's at play here. And I just think that is super helpful. 
helpful. And I want to jump in kind of from the get-go because you talk about throughout the book, really, but you you home in on it several times, about how friendship is really the best starting point in any relationship. So what, you know, with all the stuff about like, well, you know, but there when I just saw her, I knew we were meant to be together and or blind dates and or clearly if they involve private planes, you need to go after that. But <laughs> but what what would you say? I mean, if you it just makes it sound so accessible and so easy. But talk about, and then people are like, it's not that easy. So MJ, yeah. tell us about the the value and really how to establish a relationship based on friendship and then take it to the next level. Yeah, well, one of the key disciplines you want to develop uh, to be able to grow that friendship, even when right away you're like, oh, I'm totally into this person, is don't try to suppress those feelings. You want to supplant them. You want to constantly be trying to, you have to focus on the facts of the relationship. So first date, you know nothing. You know, <laughs> you have lots of feelings, you have lots of ideas. Maybe you you met them online, so therefore uh, you think you know everything because you read their whole you know dating profile. And of course, we all know, we don't even know how accurate the dating profile is. So you want to develop the discipline of like, okay, well, I feel this way. Why do I feel that way? Okay, well, what are the facts that support that feeling? Actually, I don't have any facts that support that feeling. What facts do I do know? And just continuously, Scripture calls it taking your thoughts captive. But that's seriously, if you want to develop that friendship, and yet you're like, right away, I'm into them, uh, you've got to learn how to supplant those feelings, to dig them up, analyze them, kind of put them, not ignore them, not pretend like they don't exist. Feelings are always real, but they're not always right. And then focus on the facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because ultimately, and I think you would say this not only in the book, but from your own experience with your wife, I mean, so much of marriage is that walking alongside one another and the companionship, the friendship, the doing life together, the, as you said, in that ultimate goal, serving the Lord, being a forward-facing team to a hurting mm -hmm. world. And that's what yeah. you have to get straight before you start getting into all the, the touchy-feely stuff. I, I think that is so, so helpful in that. I do like what you say, too. You give the example of, or several examples in the book of knowing what to look for in relationships. And you say too often young adults dive headlong into dating or into a relationship, not really knowing what the end goal is or what the what a good example of a relationship is. You actually mm -hmm. have this completely whack um, illustration <laughs> in the book that I was like, where is he going with this? That you described um, some people looking for what what a relationship is as painting a lemming while drunk. So I need yes. you to explain what <laughs> what this is and how this applies to looking for uh, maybe that that good example of a relationship. Well, yeah, the the idea is that pretty much most of the ideas we have about what a relationship looks like we get from what we see on television and and movies and and here in, in music, that that's where we get it. Most of us are not particularly impressed. Most of us are not particularly impressed with the marriages that we see around us overall. And even those that maybe are, are really healthy and strong and amazing in the church, you know, we're not that close to them, but we see all this media. And so it's kind of like if I decided, hey, I've seen painting happening 
in movies and television shows I've seen. I remember in Emma, there was painting in that movie. And and so I think I can do it because I've seen it on television. And oh, by the way, I don't really have the tools to do it well. Like I don't have a paintbrush exactly, but I do have a hairbrush and a brush is a brush. So, you know, I, I and, and I, I don't know what I'm going to paint on, but I heard the Mona Lisa was on a board. So I'm going to get a board and and then, yes, and then on top of all that, I, you know, I don't I don't really have a clear idea of what I'm looking for, but I think I do because I've seen it on television. I don't really have the right tools, and I'm going to be drunk. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I say, yeah, not everybody's drinking when they're dating, but everybody, if they're in love, has it is a similar effect on the brain, inhibiting clear thinking. And so that hopefully that analogy and, and then yes the, the lemming i forgot that part that then imagine i'm going to paint something that i don't even really necessarily know what it looks like but here i go yeah it's going to be abstract art at best sure and that is what we see so many times even in good little christian kids dating it's like what is that and that's why and so we need to train ourselves. We need to act like this actually is an endeavor, an adventure, if you will, that you don't want to just set sail without knowing how to operate the ship and not mm-hmm. knowing where you're going. Yeah. Well, and to that point, you outline so many great practical principles throughout of like what to look for, what not to look for, how to be the person that someone would want to date. I want to start out because one of the, the um, when you're talking about, and we're going to circle back to this, the Mr. and Ms. wrongs um, in, mm-hmm. in relationships, but really a non-starter scripturally, you argue, is someone who doesn't share your faith, uh, that the unbeliever. And so talk to us about, you know, we shouldn't even go there, but one, how can we discern? So what should a person, you know, because lots of people are going to say they're a Christian. They're going to say, you know, they they maybe grew up in the church. They maybe walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or Mm -hmm. whatever. So what would you say are your, your key tips for discovering that and then even kind of that that level of maturity so you know mm-hmm. wh- whether or not you know in fact i was just in a conversation with a friend about spiritual compatibility and not in a weird way of like oh let's take a bunch of assessments and figure this out but but just making sure you're on the same page in areas that matter what would you say yeah. are some of your key principles for that um, well, again, we, it's dangerous to try to judge the salvation of other people, of mm-hmm. course, but we are called to be discerning. And especially if you're looking for a life partner that you're going to be planning to be with until you die or they die, uh, you want to judge the fruit. Uh, we're called to judge the fruit. So, I mean, you could start with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know, honestly, on the patience note, it should have been a real red flag to my, uh, at that time, uh, girlfriend that I would jokingly say, yeah, people say, you know, don't pray for patience. Well, they don't have to tell me that. I'm not <laughs> praying for that. That should have been like, oh, really? Um, but yeah, you want you want someone that has the fruit of the Spirit. You want someone that's dis- demonstrating the spiritual disciplines, that they are in prayer regularly, in the Word regularly, going to church regularly, and, and not in a legalistic way. Uh, but more in a fervent way, mm-hmm. i.e., like that made me excited going to church. It made me excited memorizing scripture. I wanted somebody that was excited about spending time with the Lord in prayer. I'm not talking about, you know, eight hours uh, a day or something. I'm just talking about like that it that they they pursue it because they feel like they really want it. Uh, maybe even 
like they're desperate for it. Like I realized eventually about patience that, oh, whether I really want to learn it or not, I actually, <laughs> my kids wish I would have learned patience a lot sooner. Let me just, <laughs> let me just put it that way. Mm -hmm. So as far as the um, maturity in general, real simple handles, you want to look for someone who's responsible and someone who's reliable. Mm -hmm. Responsible means they, you know, they can take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean like they don't need nobody, like they're a lone ranger, but like, no, they take care of what they need to themselves. Reliable, meaning they can take care of others. Yeah. Like you can count on them. Yeah. Um, and those things are really easy to see if you're paying attention. They're mm -hmm. really not that hard. Yeah. What's hard is getting over the fact that, oh my gosh, they're so gorgeous. And the fact that they're never there when they say they're going to be there seems okay because they're so gorgeous. Mm, mm -hmm. Probably not after 30 years of marriage, probably not after three. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Also on the maturity side, uh, self-aware and empathetic. Mm -hmm. You do these, do, when you're talking with somebody, again, as you're trying to focus on the facts and not your feelings, you, do they really, they don't seem to see this about themselves or this or this or this. They're not self-aware. Mm -hmm. And the other side is empathy. Do they, are they able to really pick up on how they are impacting the people around them? Mm -hmm. um, I know someone very close that I've known for a long time. They're clueless. They are totally clueless of their impact on people around them. And yet they've managed to get several uh, girls interested in them. Mm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those are kind yeah. of the main handles. Yeah, no, that's good. It, I was thinking as you were talking too, just the value of someone who can be a person of their word and commit to something. And a lot of times we think yes. of this in terms of like our grandparents, like why were our grandparents just so like they were able to endure hardship and they were able to, they went through wars and they went through a depression and, you know, or our great grandparents. And, and it really is, I mean, that's a muscle that has to be strengthened. And you can see that now in someone of, like, do they commit to something and follow through? Are they a loyal person? Do they show up? Do they say what they're saying and do what they're doing? And I think that's so great, too, that kind of goes hand in glove with the other ones um, you shared. Super important now, there. Okay. Can, can I flip to the yeah. other side really quick, though, and just Please. say, at the same time, uh, like sometimes I meet with young young people that I realize, oh, my goodness, this dude is looking for a girl as mature as my wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen if the girl is is twenty two mm -hmm. or thirty two. She's not. So there, there is a, there is a realization. But that's where you want to. That's where I was talking about the spiritual disciplines in terms of like pursued with a fervency or a desperation. Because right. then you can know, okay, well, really, they're just here right now. But you can see that person is determined to get there, wherever there is. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking for someone with that growth mindset. Yeah. Well, one chunk of the book that I think is so helpful and so practical, as, as I was saying before, is you just lay out 10 dumb reasons to date. Okay, so... And I, I don't know how much of these are born out of personal experience or what, but there is something that you said. <laughs> there's something that you said in one of them that I thought was just a great thing for you to um, explore a little bit with us. And you, you talk about how people are so prone, and I don't know if you were telling on yourself here, I think you were, prone to chasing experiences in dating instead of building a relationship. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to say, like, building a relationship, it sounds great. MJ, but like, 
I mean, snooze fest, like why give us <laughs> give us some motivation for actually building a solid relationship? Because don't I think everyone starts dating for just that exciting wow factor. And there's someone who likes me. And now we're going to we're going to do great things together and we're going to have fun. And, you know, of course, dating should be fun. But give us why like why did you make that statement and what really is the heart behind it? Uh, because I really, I have nothing to be ashamed of with the girls I dated in terms of treating them physically, um, except for my wife who I wound up wound up marrying. Um, but I have a lot to be ashamed of with with the fact that, man, I really more or less used them to you know uh, to have a good time again in a clean way, like. Didn't, you know, not laying hands on them, just like, just, yeah, I, I want to feel good about myself and I want to impress you so I can feel even better about myself. And that's really, again, I, I, I could meet any of those girls that I went out with back in college and they're, you know, they're not going to have that, you know, kind of weird, but it was, it was a using mentality. And so my encouragement is, is, I mean, is that, is that what you want to do? Is, is you want to be that person that's like, yeah, well, I just, I mean, I'm in it for the feeling, I'm in it for the experience. Um, and honestly, uh, it's one of the reasons why on the flip side, I mean, we talk about the top 10 dumbest reasons to date, but then we give 10 fresh perspectives on dating later in the book to change your relationship life. And one of those is date to make friends mm -hmm. because making friends really is fun. Mm -hmm. When you are, when you are hanging with somebody that the more you get to know them, the more you see the things that you align on, the more even like, Ooh, well, we don't necessarily align on that. They're a five-point Calvinist, and I only have three points. But man, does that inspire some great conversation? You know, that's fun. And focusing on that, as opposed to, wow, we broke into the Baylor Stadium and had a midnight, you know, had a <laughs> moonlit picnic on the 50-yard uh, line. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that's great to, to tell a story about. But I wish more I would have actually tried to really get to know that girl. Yeah. There is um, just in our last minute or so here, because we're going to pick this conversation up next week because there's so much more we have to cover. We're going to circle back, y'all, to the Mr. and Ms. Wrong. So don't worry about that. But one one of the you, you brought up these dumb reasons to date. One of them you mentioned is belonging, like the desire to belong. And I like to turn this back and blame like the church and married people a little bit for this one, because I think there's this assumption in the church that you're not complete until you're married. There's a lot of singles, single young adults and others who are kind of disenfranchised in their own churches, like the misfit toys and whatnot. So speak from your experience, MJ, as a married person, just briefly here before we end today on... Why Why is that such a false, I mean, almost a, a lie, really, that your sense of belonging is going to come from being hitched to another person, even if that's the tale that we're being told, even in Christian circles? Yeah, again, I think it's interesting, totally notable, no marriage in heaven. Mm -hmm. So marriage is just a vehicle. It, it, I shouldn't say it's just a vehicle. That's a terrible way to say it. But it 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 is a part. Yes, marriage will completely complete you. Let me just say that. But not in the sense of, and now I'm done. <laughs> not that can completion. No, like marriage will complete you in the sense of, whew, we're going to work out this rough area. We're going to kill this sin. And then we're going to work in this area over here. <laughs> That's what I mean by completion. Like mm -hmm. it's a building work. Mm -hmm. Now, 
do you need marriage to do that? No. Um, but what's really scary to me when it comes particularly with with dating to belong is the fact that most even good Christian believers, they they really don't understand the belonging they have in Christ. Mm -hmm. They really don't. Mm -hmm. And then they can't share that belonging with the person that they marry. Instead, they have to keep sucking uh, for their needs to be met from this person instead of, well, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm getting my needs met from Christ. He uses this lady who happens to be my wife of almost 30 years, but really it's him. Mm-hmm. And that's why there is no marriage in heaven, because that's where we get there, and I'm like, the church is married to Christ, and 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 that's that's really where our completion is found. Yeah, so true. Well, we are going to plan to come back to this conversation next week, but in the meantime, I want to make you aware of the fact that MJ's book, Date Like You Know What You're Doing, is available this week from Boundless for a gift of any amount. So you just go to boundless.org, you know the drill, search for 825, that's this week's episode, you'll see the book cover there, go ahead and click on it. You give a gift to Boundless for any amount, like whatever you can afford, okay? This is just your contribution to us to keep Boundless going uh, for the stuff that you already know and love, and then we want to send you MJ's book as our thank you to you, so you can make that happen there so all right mj you willing to come back next week absolutely Folks, we're finishing out the show. Here we are for our inbox, and we have one of our counselors, Angel Perez. Angel, so good to see you. Good to see you, too. Fantastic. Um, He's going to give a great bit of insight for today's question because we just found out that he had good Mexican food for lunch. So he's ready. He's he's ready to be wise and, uh, you know, just contribute to our well-being. So, all right, Angel, our listener is wondering sometimes, and this is perfect because we are in Thanksgiving weekend right now. And so um, for all of you who are hanging out with family, uh, here's our listener's question. Sometimes when I see my siblings around the holidays, it can be difficult to be around them because of poor choices they have made. How should I conduct myself when I'm around my siblings, even if I strongly disagree with their decisions? That's a great question. And what I love about the question is that it highlights personal responsibility. How should I conduct myself? So the first thing that I'll say comes from the Word of God, Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, right? And based on that premise, I have three things to say, Alyssa. 
Number one, uh, check your heart. <laughs> Do some prep work, okay? Pray for unity, wisdom, discernment. Be mindful of your own emotions and ask the Holy Spirit to show you the root of this discomfort that you're experiencing. Their poor choices may be conflicting, but this is also something that may be triggering something in you that is worth exploring. Number two, don't let your expectations keep you from cultivating a healthy relationship with them. Uh, so that means not holding on to ideals, not holding on uh, to preferred outcomes. And number three, Uh, focus on the purpose of the reunion. <laughs> um, focus on the main goal, okay? We are in a season of fellowship, of bonding, celebrating, being grateful for the people around us. So, um, and ultimately, Romans 2.4 tells us something very important. It is the Lord's kindness that leads to repentance, mm -hmm. right? And all of this may be summarized with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. Yeah, that's good. I think that's so helpful because it's a reminder that I mean, first of all, we don't have to act like we agree with them. You know, we don't right. have to fake it to make it. We don't have to be, you know, if they're clearly, you know, they're doing behaviors that are, we know, biblically sinful or whatever. You know, it's not like you have to act like you're okay with everything. But I like that point because we're no one's Holy Spirit. I, right. I would love to be. I mean, because right. I feel like I always know what everyone should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I would love to just tell them. But I'm not their Holy Spirit. And the Spirit has to prompt us as broken people Correct. to move into wholeness. Right. Yeah. Love does not require affirmation, but it does require relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So good. So, well, good. I think that's a good word for everyone who wants to get started uh, on a great foot. Maybe you're in a conversation uh, right after this where you might have to apply this. And even those scriptures that uh, Angel shared are so great uh, to get you along that path. So, all right. Well, awesome. Thanks again, Angel. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's show. Uh, do write to us at editor at boundless.org if there's a question of yours we can answer in the future. Um, you can also slide into our DMs on Instagram or Facebook and leave a question there or just say hi. Also, I want to let you know about our Advent devotional that is coming up uh, that's going to take you through uh, the four weeks prior to Advent, and it's a great opportunity for you to avail yourself of that. Just go to boundless.org slash Advent, and you can get it there. You're just going to sign up for it, and you're going to receive that in your inbox. And so it's just an encouragement and a way to help you focus heading into uh, this Christmas season as well. And so, all right, well, I will plan on seeing you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org from Focus on the Family. It can be challenging to inspire your community to see life the way God sees it. So what's the solution? Well, on June 15th, Focus on the Family is hosting Sea Life 24. And no matter where you are or who you are, you can be a part of this free event with speakers like Ben and Kirsten Watson and real stories about choosing life. Sea Life 24 will inspire you to translate your faith into action. Register today at sealife24.org.